Good morning, everyone. Aren't you glad that you're redeemed? It's amazing to know the power of forgiveness, knowing that you're set free, forgiven. Your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, and He's got a glorious plan for you. Thanks, Elaine, Steve, and choir for that great music. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. In your bulletin, there's a listening guide that you can follow along that will help you um, follow along with us. Today, we're going to talk about transform from impure to pure. I was reminded of a story of this lady. She had this glamorous white dress, much like a prom dress, and her and her girlfriends decided to go on a ladies' day out, and she decided to wear her bright white dress. And of all the places for their ladies' day out, instead of going to the mall, they decided to go on a tour of a coal mine. And all the girls are like, you should wear jeans and t-shirt. Why are you wearing this bright white dress? And she's like, it's going to be okay. So finally, when the coal miner came to give them a tour, uh, she asked them, can I wear this white dress? And he said, honey, you can go in with this white dress, but I can guarantee you're not going to come out with a white dress. And that's kind of like purity. It's It's hard to keep your purity in this world. And today we're going to talk about a leper. A leper that was considered unclean or impure. And how Jesus meets him at his point of need and makes the impure pure. And we're going to talk about how leprosy is really an illustration of sin. And the destructive nature of leprosy, we can see the parallel with sin in our life. So we're going to see from God's word how Jesus can truly make you pure inside. So if you will turn to Luke 5, we're going to start in verse 12. And it happened when Jesus was in a certain city, that behold, a man full of leprosy saw Jesus. And before we read on, you've got to understand, leprosy was a skin disease, and when it was really severe, it took someone's life eventually. And when Luke, who, what is Luke, what's his occupation. He's a doctor, right? So he always notes the physical, just like we did Peter's mother-in-law. She had a high fever. Well, when someone was full of leprosy, most likely this person has perhaps lost some fingers or toes. Whenever leprosy spread, your nose would fall out, your ears would potentially fall off. So when Luke says he was full of leprosy, most likely he looked like an ogre. His face was disfigured. He may have been missing some fingers or toes. Um, very social outcast. Notice he sees Jesus and he fell on his face and implored Jesus saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus does the unthinkable. Look at the next verse. He put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report around went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and and prayed. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father... We realize that we are spiritual lepers and we are in need of cleansing and purity. So, Father, as we look at the story of this leper, help us to see your heart, that you can transform the impure into pure. 
that you can give us a new heart. And Lord, help this story come alive to us today so that it will transform our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to look at four truths that can transform your life from impure to pure. And the Bible's clear. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We're all on the same sinking ship. But when Jesus comes, he changes everything. So the first point is this. Jesus is willing to make you pure. Jesus is willing to make you pure. Notice the man's condition. He had what? Leprosy. And as I mentioned, leprosy was a debilitating disease. It usually started off on the face as a rash. And then if it was the the true full-blown leprosy, it would spread to other parts of your body. So eventually you would lose hair. You would lose uh, fingers and toes and ears and nose, and it was very bad. So in this day and time, when you had leprosy, it would isolate you from the community. Does anybody remember what you'd have to call out? You'd have to scream, unclean, unclean. So you see this leprosy, and as I mentioned in the beginning, leprosy is analogous of sin. Um, There's a few points if you're taking notes. The first one is leprosy um, spreads fast. Excuse me, my microphone is falling off my face. Um, It spreads fast. You notice how when you get caught up in a sin issue, um, sin, it just spreads throughout. Another perspective of the illustration of leprosy and sin is contagious. Have you ever noticed when you're around someone that is in a bad lifestyle or bad habit, it's easy for you to pick up and make the choice yourself? It's also destructive. Sin doesn't just leave you uh, semi-hurt, it ends in death. In the same way, leprosy did the same. It makes you worse, not better. And doesn't the, the enemy, the tempter of our soul, come to us, and it seems like this will make us better or happier, and we say things like, God just wants me to be happy, and we don't realize this is not for our happiness, this is going to hurt us. Because God doesn't just want to make us happy, He wants to make us holy. Amen? It robs you of your potential. Just like leprosy, you see someone that, this individual in the story, we don't know how many years he had leprosy, but his potential was wasting away as his body was dying each day. Leprosy makes you numb, just like sin makes makes you numb. Part of uh, leprosy, uh, I was talking to the 930 service, and we had a few doctors in the audience, and we're talking about neuropathy, where if you have neuropathy, your body begins to get numb and you, you, you can't sense certain pain. And um, a leprosy, your whole body would be that way, not just certain parts of your body. So it, you grew numb to it. It also isolates you from those closest to you. Have you ever noticed someone that's in your circle of friends or family, when they get cut, caught up into destructive behavior, they often isolate and they'll stop calling you. They don't want to, and you're like, Why? And it's just sin has a tendency to isolate you where you don't want to be around people. So that's the thing about leprosy. It's destructive. It spreads fast. But notice this man's response to Jesus in verse 12. He saw Jesus. And in the Greek, there's a potential implication. It wasn't just seeing him physically, but it's seeing with observation. This man, when he saw Jesus, there's a response of faith that we see. He fell on his face. We see humility. He falls on his face. And then he implores Jesus. And what, he asks, what does he ask Jesus to do? To make him clean, to heal him. Do you see it here? There's, there's really a gospel illustration in here. How we are all spiritual lepers. And we're dying. Uh, some of us are more aware of it than others. But Jesus comes to us. 
And if we're willing, like this guy, to see Jesus for who he is, just like the leper saw Jesus and he had faith, if we see Jesus as the Son of God, as the one who died on the cross for our sins, the one who rose again, and we see him, we must first humble ourselves, just like this leper. You notice he fell on his face and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And I got good news for you, friend. Jesus is willing. Whoever comes to him, he will never cast out. And we have to admit our need. The leper obviously knew that he needed to be made clean. When it comes to the gospel, we have to acknowledge our sinfulness and that we need a savior. The problem with many in America today is we don't want to admit that we're sinful. I still remember, I've shared this story with some of you, that um, I do a Bible study in Waynesville. And there was a 70-year-old man. He was a doctor, a very brilliant man. And someone in the group mentioned about getting saved. And the, the, the doctor is like, he was actually a dentist. He said, what do you mean get saved? I've never heard of that. And he had never heard the gospel. And so I tried to explain it to him. Well, you have to, you have to acknowledge who Jesus is. You have to acknowledge your sins. And he said, well, I've never sinned before. And I'm like, Really? Let me shake your hand. You're the first person I've met that never sinned. So I started, you know, going back to the basics. You know, have you ever, have you ever had a thought you shouldn't have? Or he's like, well, of course, doesn't everybody? And I said, well, what, what he thought sin mean is I, I'm, I, I'm like a murderer or whatever. I was like, well, that's, that's part of it. But being a sinful person means you've missed the mark and you need God's forgiveness. So long story short, we presented the gospel to him and he prayed to receive Christ. And, uh, you know, God still forgives. So not only is he willing to make you pure, but number two, he responds with love to the unlovely. Look at verse 13. He says to Jesus, uh, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing to be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. So yesterday, I was uh, pre- preparing for today, not just in the message, but I, I was shaving. I typically like to shave before I come. You know, I don't want to be all scruffy. So my wife got me this new trimmer, not the one you're thinking about. Um, it's, you know, you guys remember the nose hair trimmer. It wasn't that one. Um, she got me a sideburn trimmer because my sideburns grow really fast for the haircut and it you know, starts to look whatever. So I was playing it. It had different attachments. And I started playing with it, and there was this eyebrow trimmer attachment. And I was like, well, let's see how this works. So I I looked down, and I noticed a big pile of hair from my left eyelash. You notice the gash there. Um, I put the wrong attachment on. It was for something else. Don't ask me what it was for, but it was something else. And so I I talked to my mother-in-law. I said, you know, I've got to preach tomorrow, and i got this big gash across my eyebrow. The attachment obviously didn't work, um, and she advised, uh, you know, how some ladies shave the eye and use the pencil, and uh, so I asked my wife if she had the pencil, because I was going to cover it up. She didn't have any, so I, I have this gash before you. So you're like, where is he going with this? <laughs> well, a lot of times we try to cover up something that only Jesus can heal. And the thing about the leper, he didn't try to cover it up. I mean, it would be really impossible for him to do, right? You know, missing fingers and toes. But he came to Jesus and basically said, I'm unclean. You can make me clean. He didn't try to cover it up. And what I love about it is Jesus did the unthinkable. He touched the untouchable. Part of leprosy is you had to isolate yourself because other people were afraid of catching it. You had to call out unclean, unclean. 
And I really think in the text, Jesus touching the man did as much for him as healing the man because the guy was broken inside. He felt rejected. Whenever you had leprosy, it affected you in every area of life. There was financial repercussions. I mean, how could you work with missing fingers and toes? Uh, no one would want to work, you to work for them. There was spiritual ramifications. You couldn't worship in the temple along with everyone else because they didn't want to catch it. There was family. Unless your family had leprosy or was open to catching it, you couldn't live with them. There was social. There was emotional. You could go through the whole list. So Jesus touched the untouchable. And he said, I'm willing, be made clean. He assured the man's faith. He answered his prayer. And in Mark's gospel, if you're taking notes, it's Mark 1:41. The parallel count, Mark says that Jesus was moved with compassion. I love how the different gospel authors, Luke being a doctor, focuses on the physical and what happened. Mark is focusing on Jesus' emotions. He had compassion. Um, so Jesus reached out and touched the leper. And the doctor, Luke, doesn't tell us this, but I believe Jesus didn't just heal the leprosy. I believe the man's fingers and toes and nose and ears and whatever had fallen off grew back. I think Jesus didn't just heal the guy halfway. I think he went all the way. And I wish I, wish I was a doctor and I could explain this from the medical standpoint, but whenever an ear is off, I mean, you imagine the science behind the ear and the eardrum and the hearing coming back. Imagine if the nose had fallen off. We don't know how the guy was full of leprosy. We don't know what extent. But imagine being able to gain the sense of smell when you haven't been able to smell. Imagine smelling roses for the first time in a long time. Imagine not being able to pick an object because you're missing a few fingers and being able to have full use of your hands again. When Jesus heals, he restores this reminds me of one of my favorite stories, and I've shared this with some of you, but I, I think it really illustrates. It was one of the, the ma- most amazing birthday parties ever. Now, it wasn't in a plush hotel. It wasn't Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous celebrity. But the guest of honor was a prostitute, and the guy throwing the party was a pastor. And you're like, where is he going with this story? <laughs> well, it was a pastor named Tony. He was in Honolulu. And he couldn't sleep that night, whatever, so he was sitting at a bar that had coffee. They were serving coffee, only place open at 3, 3 a.m. And the bar owner's name was Harry. He was talking to Harry, conversing, and he's probably thinking, I wonder what kind of illustrations I'll get in this place. So some ladies in the night, some prostitutes come in, and it's around 3.30. And he overhears one of the ladies, Agnes, she says, tomorrow I'm turning 39. And they're all excited, and she says, I've never had a birthday party. So this pastor at 3.30 a.m. gets the crazy idea, I'm going to throw this prostitute a birthday party. So he talks to the bar owner, Harry, and says, listen, this sounds crazy, you know, um, but I want to do something for her that no one else has done for her. I want to throw her a birthday party. So Harry and the pastor's name was Tony. They planned this huge, elaborate party. He said, make sure all the other ladies know to come in at 3.15 because Agnes typically comes at 3.30 in the morning. So the next day, 3.30 comes, she comes in, and everyone's like, surprise! And she's like, what's going on? And they start singing, happy birthday to you. And she's just like, what's going on? Here comes Harry, the owner, with the birthday cake. And he's like, Agnes, it's your birthday, 39 years old. You're one way from one year from the big 4-0, and they're talking. And he says, make a wish. And she's just, just speechless. It's like slow motion for Agnes. 
And after some awkward silence, she looks around and she sees Harry holding the cake. And she says, Harry, I've never had a birthday cake before. Can I run down the road to show this to my mother? Because I've never had a cake before. So she runs out the door with her cake. And here you have a pastor full with a bar owner and ladies of the night. And more awkward, what does a pastor do in this situation? He does what any pastor would do. He said, let's pray. So he prays for Agnes and for her family. And after they get done praying, Harry, the bar owner, says, if, I can't believe a pastor would do something like this for a prostitute. He says, if there's churches like this in Honolulu, my wife and I will be the first to join. And that's, that's the, the, the picture of grace. Like, grace is not something you earn or deserve. Obviously, this lady, you know, didn't deserve a party thrown by, by, by a pastor. But, you know, the thing is, grace doesn't see you just for who you are, but who you can become. Grace doesn't just see where you're at, but grace shows where God wants to take you. Aren't you glad that God doesn't treat us as we deserve? Grace is God treating you better than what you deserve because Jesus took what you deserved. So, Scripture says something happened. Immediately the leprosy left him. So this man that had been with this debilitating condition and he was on his pathway towards death's door, all of a sudden the leprosy was gone. Instantly he was healed. Whatever disfigurement was there, he was restored. And can you imagine the party he had when he... Maybe his mom or dad, if they were still living, they saw him coming home, walking down the the pathway. Can you imagine if he had had kids that, you know, couldn't see daddy for a while or they had to stay on the other side of the street? Can you imagine daddy coming home? We don't know what that reunion looked like. We can only imagine. But as I mentioned, leprosy is an, an illustration or analogy of the effects of sin. So I came up with this list by Dr. Bob Ream. He's a pastor. And he, he answered the question, what happens when a person gets saved? You know, instantly the leprosy was gone. And he, he, there's more than this, but he lists 38 things. And I'm going to read them really fast. It's on your listening guide. But the moment you get saved instantly, look what happens. You have access to God's grace. You're adopted. You have an inheritance. You're chosen. You become a child of God. You have heavenly citizenship. You're an heir of God. You're a new creation. You're a servant of God, a priest of God. You're reconciled to God. You're sanctified. In relation to Jesus, you're accepted. You're baptized into Christ's body. You're a gift to the Son. You're buried with Christ. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You possess eternal life. You're saved. You have peace with God. You're a friend with God. You have your name written in heaven. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You have a blessed hope. You have fellowship with the Trinity. You have a mansion prepared with glory. Can I get an amen? In relation to the Holy Spirit, you're born again. You're anointed by the Holy Spirit. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Holy Spirit. You are given spiritual gifts by the Spirit, at least one. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You're forgiven. You're justified. You're redeemed. You have an advocate. You have victory over sin. And you have become an ambassador for Christ. Did you know all that happens the moment you get saved? And that's just some of the list. I mean, we could go on and on. But that's the beautiful thing about it. Instantly, the leprosy was gone. When you come to Christ, all these things take place inside of you. Notice what Jesus says to the man in verse 14. He charged him to tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. So why did Jesus tell the man not to tell anyone? 
Uh, we could come up with a lot of speculations, but two possibilities I, I think of. Number one, he wanted the man to be a testimony that Jesus was the Messiah. So the priests were the spiritual leaders. He wanted him to go and be a testimony. Number two, the man needed to go to the authorities. The, the, the priests were the ones who had the authority to restore the man back to community. So if you didn't know whether this guy was healed of leprosy or not, you would be kind of cautious. I mean, I see your face is back. I see your ears are back, but are you clean? So the priest would be able to go through a ritual. This is Leviticus 13 and 14, by the way, if you want to read it. Basically, they would have to offer a sacrifice. You would have a bird that you would sacrifice, another bird that you would let loose. You would sacrifice at least one lamb, and the other lamb would, you would let loose. And it was symbolizing the, the, the issue being pure, the sin being gone. And the ritual was very interesting. You have to read it, Leviticus, Leviticus 13 and 14. They would uh, use part of the blood and they would anoint your right ear, your right thumb, and your right toe. And people are like, why would you put blood on someone's right ear, right thumb, and right toe? And then you also put oil on each of those spots. And people have speculated, but basically your ear would be anointed and the idea would be this. You're now to hear God. You're restored back to community. Listen to what God has to say. Your, your, your right thumb would be like this. You are to do the works of God. God wants you to do his work. You're healed. You're restored. Be about the things of God. And your right toe, now you're to walk in community with God and with believers. Now you're to go and walk in God's will. So that was part of the restoration process. So I love the fact that this man um, is healed. But did he do what Jesus told him to do, at least initially? No, Jesus told him to, to not tell anybody, and he goes telling everybody. I find it kind of ironic that this man tells this, this guy not to tell anyone about it yet. Perhaps he doesn't want to be known just as a miracle worker, but the guy tells everybody. And now Jesus, risen from the dead, tells us all, go tell everybody the whole world. The guy that was told not to say anything told everybody. And we who are told to tell everybody sometimes tells nobody. Have you ever thought about that? So we are to go. We are to go show and tell the night and day difference the Lord has made in our lives. A lot of times instead of going, we stay. And instead of showing the truth, we hide the truth. And instead of telling the good news, we remain silent. But God has called us to tell every man, woman, and child about the good news that Jesus Christ can restore Jesus Christ can save and he can heal to the uttermost. Amen. Number three, what is it like to go from impure to pure? Number three, people are hungry for truth and wholeness. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, The report went out concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together for two reasons, to hear and to be healed by them of their infirmities. I love the fact that people are hungry for the truth. And I really believe, church, we don't need to water down the Bible. We don't need to water down the gospel. We don't need to present Christianity light. We just need to present the truth. The reason why people are hungry, they want the truth. They're starving for it. And I really believe if all the churches, if the churches will just get back to loving Jesus, loving others, getting the word out, people will come and people will hear, just like they did in the Bible. And I think the further we go away from presenting God's truth, the less people want it because it's kind of watered down. It's not the way God intended. But people really need the truth. And if we will present it with boldness, with authority, with creativity, with love and compassion, we will be able to reach the multitudes just like Jesus did. Amen.
So this Easter, don't forget to invite people. We have the Good Friday service at 6, the Easter services on Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11, and you can invite your friends to come. So get the good news out. Amen. And finally, number four, people will try to drain the life out of you, so don't forget to stop and pray. People will drain the life out of you, so don't forget to stop and pray. Look at verse 16. It says, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now what's interesting about Jesus is different than most pastors, most ministers, is when you see a big crowd, do you run away from it or do you run after it? Every time it seems like a big crowd, Jesus would retreat because he wanted the Father to fill him again. And I was talking to the 9.30 pre-launch service about, um, you know, a lot of times ministers don't make it to retirement. I don't know what the exact statistic is, but it's very low. It's something like 2 out of 10, or I can't remember, but it's very low. And there's many reasons, but one is if you're pouring out, you've got to have God pour back into you. And even though Jesus was God in the flesh, he prayed. He prayed often. Martin Luther, we celebrated 500 years of the Reformation recently, and something he did that I found astounding is his typical pattern, he would spend two hours of prayer in the morning, two hours a day. But when he was busy, it was a very busy day, he would spend three hours. It seems like we, we do the opposite. When we're busy, we spend less. And when I have more time, I'll pray. But Martin Luther knew a secret that Jesus knew is that prayer is your power source. Prayer is your connection with God. So notice in the text that Jesus prayed consistently. He said he prayed often. He prayed with determination. He withdrew from the crowds. And he also prayed in solitude in the wilderness. If you notice on your listening guide, the Greek verb tense of this prayer word, it means to habitually pray. So Jesus didn't just pray, he kept on praying. That was his pattern. And other passages, we see that Jesus prayed all night. And there's many passages like that in Luke. Did you know that seven days without prayer makes one week? It does. It makes one week. Spiritually, physically, etc. And I joke with, my wife and I joke, she knows when I haven't prayed in the morning. My wife's in the nursery, by the way, so I can, she's not here, so I can talk about her. Um, She's in the nursery watching the kids, but she notices I'm a little more cranky if I haven't prayed. Anybody else like that? It's like, honey, you need to go spend time with Jesus because you're in the flesh right now. And I'm like, so even your pastor can get in the flesh if he doesn't pray. And he can trim his eyebrows off. So, all right, continue on. If you notice your listening guide, five reasons why you desperately need prayer every day. There's five reasons. There's many more, but it's five I want to give you. Prayer keeps you connected with God. If you're not talking with God consistently, you will begin to lose that sense of fellowship and connection. Your relationship's there. That doesn't change. You're always a child of God, but you need that connection. Number two, prayer empowers you for God's call in your life. All of you have a calling. Whenever the Holy Spirit moves inside of you, you are called and anointed for a purpose. For everyone, it's not necessarily preaching or teaching in a class or uh, watching the nursery or doing a women's ministry. That, those are all great, but your calling is something unique to you. It may be the best business person you can be. It may be the best school teacher, the best janitor, the best hairdresser, whatever. Doing everything you do for the glory of God. You have a calling. Number three, prayer helps you to unleash God's blessing on the lives of others. Did you realize that God will bless others sometimes because of your prayers? And if you're not praying, how are they going to get blessed if they're not praying? Number four, prayer helps you to daily walk in the Holy Spirit. 
The Bible says we're to be filled with the Spirit moment by moment. We're to walk in the Spirit and we're to be led by the Spirit. If you're not praying, how are you listening to what God's saying through the Spirit? Number five, prayer gives you daily guidance and a divine perspective to help you stay victorious in your Christian walk. So prayer is kind of like God's GPS, God's positioning system. He will direct you if you will pray. The men's group and I, I'm part of a men's group here at the church, and we're going through a book by Bill Hybels, and it's on prayer. And one of the tools he gives that's really helpful is the acrostic acts, A-C-T-S. Some of you have heard this, but he said this is a really good format. The A stands for adoration. Whenever you come into God's presence, most of us treat it like a, like a list, like God, do this, 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 this. And God's like, what if, you know, when you, you know, when you worship him, what about me? So we've got to focus on God, you're good. And God, your creator. And God, your sustainer. You've adoration of how good God is. It kind of makes you vertical instead of focusing on yourself. The C, does anybody know what the C stands for? Confession, right. You, you confess your sins. You confess the leprosy of your soul. God, I'm struggling with this. And be honest. God already knows it, by the way. Just be brutally honest. God, I'm struggling with this sin. And then the T is thanksgiving. You thank God for what he is doing and has done. And that sets you up for the S, is supplication, the list, the, the needs. So if you've started with thanking God for who He is, you've confessed your sins, you've thanked Him, then you'll be in the right mindset in order to ask Him according to His will. So that's really helpful. Psalm 5, verse 3 says, Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I will bring my requests and wait expectantly. Psalm thirty-four, fifteen. it says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. So today we talked about a leper and how Jesus touched the untouchable. And he said, I'm willing, be clean. So just to review the four points we talked about, Jesus is willing to make you pure. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter how shady your past, Jesus can make your dress white again, even if it's been through the coal mine. Number two, Jesus responds with love to the unlovely. Just imagine the picture of a disfigured man, perhaps missing body parts, and Jesus touching and said, I'm willing. Number three, people are hungry for truth and wholeness. They came to hear Jesus and be healed by Jesus. We're a church where we realize we're imperfect people. But the perfect God comes and he restores us and he helps us. And finally, we talked about people will try to drain the life out of you. So don't forget to stop and pray. Just summarize this in your take-home truth, the sermon in a sentence. Only Jesus can transform the impure into pure through the power of his touch. So allow Jesus to touch your heart, to touch your soul, to touch your relationships. And the voice of God may read out through the text, I'm willing, be made pure. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are willing, that you make us pure. So, Father, I just want to pray, first of all, for the believers. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but right where you're sitting, if there's something in your past that you're not happy about, some area in your life, just know that Jesus, if you're willing to reach out to him, he will say, I will make you pure. Just confess that to him. Maybe it's something guilt or shame. Just say, God, forgive me. Make me pure. And while the believers are praying, I want to talk to someone that may be seeking out Christ. Maybe you're still wondering whether 
if you've really given your life to Christ. We've talked about if you acknowledge who Jesus is, that he is God, what he's done for you, he died on the cross, he was buried and he rose again. If you're willing to confess your sins, I'm going to give you the opportunity right where you're sitting to say, Jesus, I realize I've never given my life to you. I want to make you my Lord and my Savior today. So Jesus, I call upon your name. And just like the leper, I pray that you would make me pure. You'd make me clean. I believe that you're God. I believe that you died on the cross. You were buried and you rose again. And Jesus, I need new life. So step out of heaven and into my life. I make you my Lord, my Savior, my friend. And I pray that you would forgive me of all my sins. Friend, we want to welcome you to the family of God if you prayed that prayer. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Lord, do what only you can do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This time, the usher is going to come forward and Brother Tom is going to pray over offering. But this is a response time as you worship the Lord through giving. There's this cross up here. If you notice, it's covered in yellow sticket notes. All these yellow sticket notes. If you have a prayer request, we have a prayer team praying for these. Uh, you can nail those to the cross. Um, I'll be at the front. Judy will be at the front. Brother Adam will be in the back. If you have any prayer needs during this response time, respond as the Lord leads you. Brother Tom.